Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Welcome back. This is segment three with Lou Varro from USA Hockey here on Inside the Game. So you come back now, you take all this knowledge you've picked up from him, and you're coaching in the Junior B, Junior B Metropolitan Junior Hockey League. Um, how did you get the players to buy into what you were going to teach them? Well, they, Bobby Francis was on that team, and Richie Wolf, Joey LaRusso, Sal Parisi, all those kids. They respected me. So I didn't have, I don't know if they bought in, but, and they were afraid of me. I was a very disciplined in those days, too much. So, but uh, looking back now, I should have been easier, but I wasn't. I wanted them to be as good as they could be. The problem was we only had ice. Monday nights, one hour practice, and then one or two games a week. So, and it was real hard because kids came from the five different boroughs. Mm-hmm. They go to school, they have part-time jobs. It's hard for them to come together. But I made them come for dry land training a couple of nights a week. And uh, it was a real sacrifice for them. Uh, they did it mostly. And I, I, then I realized it's not possible. It's not, you're not being fair. Um, maybe you could show them what to do and they'll do it on their own. So I, that's what we went to, except summertime, you could do more. Um, and I slowly introduced some of the principles to them in the games, and it was a struggle for them. Like I told you, it's opposite of what North American coaches yes, would do. Yes, very different. Very, very different, yeah. It's opposite. And um, so that was a bit of a struggle. I had no problem because I also coached the peewee team. And these kids I'm still close to today. And that was 1972. Yeah. A picture? <laughs> I have a picture too. Oh my gosh. Cape Cod into oh, Cape Cod. Yeah, what 73. This was a they won that tournament. They won eight tournaments that year. And Chris, hand me that picture there, please. And um there was a great bunch of players and I, I want to talk about that that's what i want to get to you want, yeah okay look at that wonderful picture oh it's awesome yeah and, um and they became heroes in 9 11 there's police officers here uh, i'd say most of them became successful business people cops criminals and uh Fireman. <laughs> <laughs> but you win five championships in a row in the Metropolitan Junior no, Hockey no, League. No, no. no, that's what it's no. Uh, no. You got bad information. I got bad I? information. Okay. Yeah, we we were always at the top, or we won the league, or but the West Siders used to beat me all the time. They had Joe the Hell's Marley Kitchen and, boys, all the Hell's yep, Kitchen they boys, were great. and their coach was great, Tommy Horvath. In fact, I just sent him a a check for a hundred dollars for some raffles for a scholarship he runs. I learned a lot from Tommy, Eddie Escanzi, those guys, Bill Norwin, these guys taught me a lot. New Yorkers knew their onions, they knew hockey, and I learned a lot from them. And uh, no, I never won a championship in the New York Met League, won the league, won the state championship. Okay. But couldn't beat the West Siders. And Eddie took over, I said, Eddie, you, the team is ready made to win. I'm not doing something right. And uh, so he took over and, and they won with Eddie. 
I was the happiest guy in the world for them. I was coaching at that time the Bronx Shamrocks, an expansion team, which was a damn good team too. And so I'm at home doing the air conditioning and uh, figured my life would be okay. I'd, I'd eventually save up enough money. I was seeing this one gal, probably end up marrying her and try to open up a little pizzeria and mm, have about six, there seven we go. kids. And, <laughs> and that was it. That was yeah. good enough for me, you know, and I would have done that. I get a call. Keith Crawford, his son, Bobby, ended up playing for the Rangers and played yes. for me as a peewee. And Bobby's still active in uh, Westchester County running a school for hockey. They're a great kid. And so uh, Keith says, Leon Abbott, the coach at Austin Mavericks, I never heard of him, in the uh, Midwest Junior Hockey League. I never even heard of that. It, it's the number one major A type, major A type junior mm -hmm. league in the in America. Uh, Leon is out as coach, and they're looking for a coach for next season. And Bobby recommended your name to Lynn McAllister, the GM. He called me. Do you know Louis? Said, of course. And I recommended you, Louis. So expect a call, and I hope you'd be interested. Well, next day I did get a call from Lynn. He's since passed. He was a good guy. And Lynn says, uh, well, he sounded like a big shot. You know, he says, oh, yeah, Leon's gone. He's going to move on to something else. We've lost $75,000 and finished dead last. And we're having trouble in town housing kids because some of them acted up. I said, well, why didn't the coach control him? He said, well, part of his deal was he wanted to live in the Twin Cities and commute about an hour. Yeah. I said, I see. Um, well, I have a job. And I coach a peewee team and a junior B team, and I'm very content. You know, I'm very happy with my life. He said, uh, how much do you make? I said, would I don't get nothing from hockey. It costs me money. I get 60 bucks a week. A week. And that's, you know, black money that was tax free off the books. Pay me three $20 <laughs> bills. That was nice. <laughs> put an air conditioner in for Louis Armstrong's uh, widow. Oh, my God. Corona, Queens. Imagine this. And uh, so I, I went along with all that. And listened. I said, well, what did you pay Leon? Well, we paid for his apartment in the Twin Cities, a car, his telephone, and he made 40000 oh. I'll take it. That's what I said. <laughs> and in the meantime, I had called Amo Francis and, and told Amo what happened. And you know, if you want to coach, you got to go. He said, how much are you going to pay? I haven't, he didn't tell me yet. And then when he told me, I called Emil. I said, it's, Emil, it's Lou. He said, hey, Louie boy. He said, "What do you, did you hear anything further? I said, yeah. They lost 75000 They paid for his car, telephone, his apartment in the Twin Cities, and 40000 And he, Emil said, Jesus Christ, I'll take the goddamn job myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a call the next day from 
the president, Jim Weber, who's alive in his 80s, he's a great man. And Jim called me and he said, Lou, I understand you spoke to our general manager, Lynn. I said, I did. What did he tell you? And I told him, he said, yeah, he told me he told you that. He said that he got his numbers all wrong. We lost 78,000. We can't provide you with an apartment. We can't provide you with a car. car. We can't <laughs> provide you with a, a, a telephone, but we can't provide you with a salary. You would become GM coach. You also have to drive one of the vans, take the team to games and stuff. And um, we could pay you 4000 but you got to give 2000 back to buy into the team's ownership. So you have a stake. So I said, so the bottom line is you'd pay me 2000 He said, correct. We're just a bunch of local people that chipped in and brought hockey here. And all this time, I thought if I took it, I'd be going to Austin, Texas. I never heard of Austin, Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> I said, well, where are you? Anyway, to begin with, he said, Austin, Minnesota, about eight miles north of the border with Iowa and about uh, 50 miles west of the border with Wisconsin, Mississippi River. I said, okay. He said, but we're not sure we want you. We like what Bobby Crawford had to say. What we'd like, we're going to have a summer camp in a couple of weeks. I'd like you to fly out and run it. Tryout camp. We got kids coming in and all this, and then we can do details. I said, all right. So I did it. I told my boss, Art, he said, and he had just given me a car the year before. I never had a car till I was 27. Give me a car. That was a bonus from uh, Ford Fairlay that was used, of course, but mm. it was great. So I said, uh, okay. So I went. And I remember on the plane, I saw a kid with a hockey jacket on. It said, Austin Mavericks. I said, who are you? He said, my name's Bill Fedoric. I'm a goalie with the Austin Mavericks. He said, you're Lou? I said, yeah. Oh, here to you on Long Island. I, I know who you are. He says, you're going out for the team? I said, yeah. Is it worth it? He said, yeah, it's good, real good hockey, Lou. It's way better than we have here. And he looked at my shoes. He said, let me see your shoes. And I showed him my shoes. He said, you better shine them. This guy, Jim Weber, I live with him. He's a nut. He's a military nut. And he wants shiny shoes. So I went in the bathroom. And I didn't have the shine, but I didn't have the polish. So I just cleaned them up good and them with the paper from the in the bathroom and when i got off the plane i looked for that we got off out of uh where you get your bags baggage walking out jim was waiting there for us and the first thing the son of a gun did was look down at my shoes he really did and smiled he said jim weber lou nice to meet you you too i moved in with his family for a few days that's where they put me up it was great they're great people and we went to Golden Valley. We had the tryouts. And already I didn't like Minnesota. I didn't, uh, I missed home. You know, I missed friends, girls. The life you carved out. And I said to my, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. Just not. So uh, went on the ice and Lynn was there. Lynn McAllister's blowing a whistle. I'm supposed to be the coach. 
Another guy, Dr. Harry Brown, a smart hockey man who wrote goalie books, he was on the ice yelling and screaming. And so I just blew the whistle and I told both of them to come over because I didn't care. And I said, I need both of you to leave the ice. You're not my assistants. I'm running this myself. Go look in the crowd and evaluate the players from the stands. You're interfering with what I want to do. And I remembered Tarasov told me, if you make a mistake, make sure it's yours. Don't let it be someone else's that cost you your job. So he told me. So I uh, got the players around. I told them, you hear this whistle, you better respond. I, I played tough guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And they're looking at me. I'm not a great skater. They're looking at ice skater. They're looking at me and they can imagine what they, I didn't care. I still don't care to this day. And I once told that to Tarasov, I said, I, I, I don't ice skate real good. He said, you don't coach with your feet, you coach with your brain. Don't ever bring that up again to me. That's what he told me. <laughs> yeah, he did. And, and uh, anyway, it went pretty good. Good players, good kids. And then, then there was negotiating and not, not money-wise. They were bringing in a new owner, John O'Halloran. He owned uh, funeral parlors in the St. Paul area. And he wanted his kid to be on the team. And he was willing to come in with 20 grand to help finance the team. But he wanted a guarantee that his kid would be on the team. And we had lunch, all of us, and he, and he was hinting. And I told you, I don't hint. I, look, you think you're the first parent they dealt with? I know you love your son. And your son's a good boy and a good player. But I don't want the job if I have to be indebted or manipulated by you or anybody else. Don't want it. Not interested. Get someone else, guys. I don't even want this discussion to be brought up again. Either you want me or you don't want me, but no... No deals, no contingency deals. And the guy said, well, I'm not coming in. He said, but the money, if if uh, I don't have that guarantee. And Jim Weber was sitting there and Jim said, that's fine. Don't come in. In fact, you can leave. He liked me because I did that. I didn't yep. know. I didn't do it because I thought he would like me. Anyway, I did take the job, obviously, afterwards. And I got a job teaching cooking class at the high school one week one day a week, wash pots at the Village Pump, a restaurant for Ma Loberg. She was a good good cook there, afternoon session. So for two hours, you know, I got a couple of bucks an hour. And I had told Emil I took the job. It's not much money. I'm going to be doing pot washing and whatever I can to scrape by. Uh, I got a little cabin on the east side lake for $50 a month and it included gas and electric. They gave it to me really, you know, to live. I mean, mm -hmm. it was tiny, smaller than the office I'm in, the whole house, <laughs> but it worked. What did I need? Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it worked out and I've told the players, you'll be notified uh, in an hour to your face if we want you or not. And if we don't, there'll be no stories no long stories about you were great. I love this. I love that. Why are you cutting me? So I don't see you in our plans if you get cut. I'm sorry. Uh, move on to another team for a tryout. Nothing I can do. 
we're not going to lie to you. And when I took the job, and then I picked the players, not to make the team, to come to training camp. And I said, boys, training camp starts July 5th. They went wild. What? Are you crazy? <laughs> That's our summertime. I said, I'm giving you July 4th. <laughs> July 5th, it starts. You're going to be doing, first of all, I'm going to get you housed. And you better behave yourselves. Second of all, we're going to do intensive dry land training, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. In between, you'll take some class in school or get a part-time job, and I'll help you. I'll go with you to businesses. And so I said, we hit the ice in September. We'll still do dry land training four days a week, and we'll be on the ice twice a day. I never had such a luxury, you know? Mm -hmm. We have a lot to do and learn, and you finished in last place, so don't give me any back talk. Many of you are, are back. And it could not have been fun. Well, I was shocked, I, and I'm really glad I stayed strong. Um, four players quit. I said, I don't, I'm not doing that. Can you trade me? I said, no. You don't. And Jim said, Lou, and Lynn and Jim said, can't just let them go. I said, yes, we can leave. Don't don't report on July 5th, you're a free agent, go where you want. I don't want to make a kid play that doesn't want to play and hold them, stop them from playing, you know? Mm -hmm. I needed committed players to make this work. And uh, some of them reluctantly were reluctant, but they came. And they, they liked it. They liked it. They saw the value in it. It was, re and I made it fun for them too. They saw the value, and I would tell them every day, we're going to win the league, boys. We can be champions. We have to outwork everybody intelligently. And I never hid from them where I learned a lot of this stuff. I told them. You know, I was honest. I gave credit to the people who deserve the credit. It wasn't just Tarasov, Emil Francis, Shiro, Dr. Koska, from, and Ludi Bukac from the Czech Republic, Czech, Czechoslovakia, uh, all those guys. So... It worked out great, and we did win the league, and uh, we didn't even have a full roster, and we won the national championship that year, and we took, to fill in our roster, we took cuts from other teams that were willing to commit themselves to this regiment, and uh, it was wonderful. It changed hockey in America. That's the end of segment three with Lou Varro from USA Hockey here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR.